0: Hi, I'm Graham. And I'm Chris. And this is episode 8 of the unofficial Pet Shop Boys in depth podcast for Pet Shop Boys fans all over the world.
1: We nervously launched these podcasts earlier this year and have been bowled over by the reaction. We've had over 10,000 downloads so far and we've listeners in over 70 countries. That certainly exceeded anything we dared to imagine. And the feedback and reviews have been amazing too. A number of you donated to our fundraiser
0: to help cover our costs for recording and hosting and we hit our target in just over a week and we're extremely grateful. We've come to realise that Pet Shop Boys fans are a lovely bunch. Thank you for helping to pay our podcast rent. And stay tuned for the credits at the end of each episode where we get to thank you personally.
1: And Neil and Chris are okay as well. They even agreed to promote the podcast on Pet Shop Boys' own social channels. So now we've got our own recording gear plugged into Graham's laptop, and we're tucked up in my shed where I keep all my gardening stuff and a couple of bikes.
0: So come with us and be easily led—not behind the bicycle shed, but actually in it, kind of like "Can You Forgive Her,"
1: but without the bright orange Guantanamo Bay jumpsuits and traffic cone hats. United by a shared love of one band, can two amateurs like us produce a podcast befitting the world's greatest synth-pop duo?
0: There's only one way to find out. You're listening to
1: so Chris do you want to tell us where we are today well Graham excitingly we are on location uh, so this is my home office. We converted our garage just after lockdown. It's where I work from home, but it's also where I have all of my Pet Shop Boys stuff, which I know that you were keen to see. Originally, I had it spread across the house. It was in how to get into drawers and under beds and stuff, but I wanted to have it all in one place so I could get to it because this stuff is important to me.
0: We are very much in the inner sanctum, I would <laughs> say. <laughs> so you're right, I am keen to see this because most of the stuff I have never, seen before sort of in person it is a little bit like my room i have all my stuff together but it is it's nowhere near this this is this is like my room but on steroids just for the benefit of the listeners what i am looking at is there's a five by five shelving unit an
1: ikea special
0: ikea special yeah you know it's packed full of stuff the top two rows we have vinyl so we've got seven inch and 12 inch records all i have to say very pristinely kept in plastic wallets, which is very impressive. Below that, we have two shelves full of books and magazines and what look like tour programs and so on. And then the rest of them are all filled with uh, intriguingly interesting boxes all with lids on, which I'm hoping are all (laughs) going to be packed full of exciting things
1: i think of what i've got here as a bit of an archive rather than a collection some people i don't know if you've seen it out there in internet land some people have an amazing amount of stuff you see it on places like the Pet Shop Boys format Facebook group, Pet Shop Boys Store on Instagram, Pet Shop Boys Rarity on Instagram. These are incredible collections and I don't have anything like that.
0: Well, I think you have been very modest for a start. This is amazing and there is just so much stuff in it. It is like a museum. I mean, you say you're not a collector and that you're an archivist. I think that's just what you tell your wife. <laughs> is, it, or is, it, is that what you say when uh, when the postman's delivering another parcel or you're trying to sneak in the house with sort of a 12-inch shaped box <laughs> hidden on your coat? So you're, so you're not buying just another record, you are actually
1: curating for future generations, it's a public service, is that what you're saying? Well, I don't think any of my own future generations see the value in any of this stuff. <laughs> Hopefully I've got a few interesting things here that we can chat about. Right up front, I'd be interested, Graham, to know what you own. What do you have in your collection?
0: Well, my collection, which is effectively just on one shelf, I've got quite a bit of vinyl. I've got cassette singles up to "It's All Right." I've got the vinyl remixes up to "It's All Right." Just the re- just the remixes. Remixes, yeah. Because I do, I would do the cassettes. So cassettes would be my. I would buy the cassette single which had the extended mix ah, and the you get the 12 inch tracks there so you get it... the 12 inch stuff there and then I would get the, the extra stuff on the, on the remix 12 inch and then I have to say after it's alright I probably went CD and bought everything on CD so I have the CD singles and all the albums up to I think I stopped buying the CD singles at Miracles I think it's possibly okay. the last one that I've got I then carry on buying all the albums on CD, but I mm. kind of went quite digital at that stage, so I was relying on the digital bundles, I think, got sure. I've got a few DJ promos from around 1994 that I found in a second-hand shop in Headingley okay. when I was at university, yeah. and then just books, videos, DVDs, tour programmes. Very entry-level stuff, I have to say.
1: Yeah, it doesn't sound entirely entry-level. I but
0: I'll I, I tell you what I've got. I've got one thing oh, yeah. that you definitely won't have, but I'm going to save that until the end. So there we go. So keep listening. I'm I'm intrigued. (laughs) I will. I'll stay tuned in. (laughs) So we've talked about the amount of physical product Mm. that's in this room. Yeah. But underneath your computer in the corner, I can see a little portable hard drive. Yes. I'm really interested to know, and, and kind of part of the things I'd like to explore today, really, which is what makes collectors, sorry... Uh, archivists, uh, curators of nerds, (laughs) 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 delete as appropriate. In this world of digital media and streaming, what is it
1: about Mm. physical items, really? So I get that, and I know I would say this, but it is all about the music so I've got a lot of stuff stored on this hard drive. That's my digital music collection, I can play that through Spotify or through iTunes so if I'm being honest, I agree with you that the physical stuff is secondary. I know there's a lot of stuff in this room but um, I'm maybe slightly embarrassed to say at Hmm. the moment I don't have a turntable. Do you know
0: what, i would not realised I'm looking around now and I've described everything in great detail, I have not realised that you don't don't have any, there is No way of playing anything. I don't have a
1: turntable. As things stand, I don't even have a CD player at (laughs) the moment. So I have a long term plan to uh, invest in a proper hi fi. (laughs) But for for me, I play my stuff digitally uh, as well. There are a lot of memories here. And uh, as I say, I like to have everything around me and close to hand.
0: I absolutely get the memories bit. So when I look at my own things, those memories are kind of embedded into everything. Certainly, everything that I own. You know, I, I know where it was bought, yeah. where it was first played, where it first heard it. I think this is the bit that I don't get. Why you then might go and pay. £50 pound for something on eBay, something that you, know, you maybe didn't even know existed, that is from South America or something like that. Mm.
1: Well, I tend to agree. I do draw the line. But I tell you what, in terms of personality traits, I am definitely a completer finisher. I don't like to leave ends untied. So if I've got three of something, and then suddenly I find out there's a fourth, and there's a these badges, for example, Graham. Yeah. So these were promotional badges for the Go West single. Yeah. So they're actually, they're the same symbols that are on the front of the seven inch single. Yeah, it's like the that, little badge that, type. That's right. Sure. That. So I'd had three of these since <laughs> 1993 when I pestered a, a record store owner for any promotional stuff that they had in. And he gave me three badges at the time, which I love, I think they look great. Yeah, they do look good. Uh, But it's only within the last year that I've realized there's a ruddy fourth one of these. <laughs> so suddenly these three badges that I loved I needed to find this fourth badge so that's the completer finisher in it.
0: I won't ask you how much you paid for it so we'll gloss we'll over that bit. So, well well the, f-
1: the first three were free. <laughs> yeah so
0: you are you sort of amortising the cost over all four that's of true. them, is that what you're I doing? <laughs> I just find it interesting because everything that I've bought you know it's just worn out worn out with multiple use I don't think there is anything that I own that that could be described as mint or or near mint
1: Uh, well loved (laughs) well loved yeah well loved yeah if there's
0: a value in well-loved yes. or in those scratches, folds, broken cases, imprinted text where I've scribbled a phone number down, <laughs> or used it as a, used it as a base. I, I would be a millionaire, I'm sure.
1: Maybe what I've got here is a bit of a time capsule. I think when you're a teenager, you know, that's an extremely potent time. You're on a quest to find your identity, to nail down your likes and your dislikes. And of course, music's a key part of that, and it was for me. I think it was for most of us as well. By liking Pet Shop Boys when I was 12, I was starting, I think, to define who I was. They were pop, but they were intelligent pop, unconventional, strange, arty, mysterious, funny, difficult, hard to pin down. I love the music. We all love the music, but. I wanted to go beyond just hearing it on the radio. I wanted to own the records, cut out their interviews, stick them in my scrapbooks. I cut out the enemy covers and, Put them on my art folder that I carry around the playground and to lessons. So I guess I was signing up to be part of something bigger even if I didn't really know many other people that were also part of, of this club. And I think through that be at that age, I gained a confidence which I wouldn't otherwise necessarily have. So confidence to be maybe a bit of an outsider to be me, to be me really.
0: So I'm looking at most of the things that have been released pretty much in every format in the UK over the last 40 years yeah that's probably fair so what is you, what's, what's your preferred format of choice over, the, over that time
1: over, over the years so well I began buying albums on cassette starting with Please and then Actually and I've dug those out Okay, yeah. I don't know about you but I still love cassettes
0: I, I, I love a cassette I mean I haven't seen Please on cassette for years
1: yeah I still love that that looks great and then around the time of Actually I started buying the singles on seven inch for the b-sides so i think i can't quite remember i think the first seven inch that i bought was maybe rent and then kind of expanded to buying the 12 inches as well and i remember at that time when we had an old stereo a hi-fi record player with speakers it wasn't getting much use so i squirreled that away into my bedroom <laughs> that was enormous wasn't it <laughs> it was huge yeah and so i get these seven inches and then i was hearing b-sides for the first time tracks like i want a dog i get excited i have to these amazing b-sides how fantastic were those b-sides from those first two albums particularly this is an old record player and they would always jump in the same places with these tracks and thinking about it it will have been alternative in 1995 when that came out and and i bought it on cd that would have been the first time that i will have heard these tracks without these jumps in. (laughs) (laughs) and so ingrained in my psyche with these jumps that i found it really hard to hear them uh, without (laughs) without those jumps in them (laughs)
0: I mean, CDs were such a sort of step change, really, weren't they? I mean, I bought the Records de Fluorescent, but I haven't bought any vinyl. I, I, I bought alternative on vinyl because mm-hmm. I'd seen the Relentless vinyl. Have you got that? Yeah, you won't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop asking, have you bought that? I need to sort of stop that right. Yeah, well, that's, yes. that's alternative. Yes. Um, well, I own that. I bought that yeah. because the Relentless 3 vinyl this one oh and i'm not I'm gonna to refuse to look at that out, out of jealousy and...
1: have you seen this before do you
0: know what i haven't ever
1: seen it no yeah. only 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 in my dreams <laughs> <laughs> so obviously this only came out on vinyl as a promo i think there were only a handful of copies something like 500 and it's they're all colored vinyl which is nice the old matches sure really <laughs> <It laughs> does so look nice doesn't no, it yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I came
0: here to be positive. I'm not. <laughs> well, I only bought alternative because obviously that was like a, some sort of holy grail at the time. Okay. And uh, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll buy alternative because that'll be worth a lot of money as well. Well, in... I think it is. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that later on because I have a quiz for you based on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I I do miss vinyl, I I have to say I, I used to love that that excitement and. Ritual of buying vinyl and bringing it home and playing it, that feeling of finding something if you found it in a record shop. You know, so maybe I did used to be a collector of sorts. Maybe I stopped because I enjoyed that feeling
1: too much. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, okay. Well, I completely get that idea of finding things, the thrill of the hunt. I remember in Groove Records in Halifax, they had this wall of import 12 inches, they were 4 99 each. These were exotic records from Germany or, or the US, these early records on Bobcat or Epic or ZYX. Records like West End Sunglasses, which mixed West End Girls with Corey Hart Sunglasses at night. Bizarre, really. And I also remember I'd stand in W. H. Smith's and thumb through Record Collector, and I'd see all these exotic and obscure records <laughs> in the sellers' listings. Do you think anybody ever bought Record Collector? Just read it <laughs> in Smiths. Just just in Smiths. It when you saw that there was a band that you
0: liked on the front cover, oh, you right. sort of flick through to
1: that, read that page, and then just
0: put it back.
1: I think is it isn't it still going? I, I think know. it must be doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> By 1989 you know my friend Paul and I would travel by bus or train to the surrounding towns and cities Halifax, Huddersfield, Bradford, Leeds, Keithley, Manchester and we'd scour the record shops for PSB back catalogue releases, different sleeves, overseas rarities. Dead Wax in Huddersfield had the epic seven inch of West End girls on sale for £20 which £20 was definitely out of mine and Paul's leagues we couldn't, couldn't afford that but the shop owner cheekily offered to record both sides onto cassette for £5. <laughs> so £2.50 each. That's how desperate we were just to hear those tracks, particularly the B-side, I, which I which was Pet Shop Boys, which yeah. we hadn't heard at that point.
0: Do you know what? I think my friend used to work there, so I should go and ask him about see how many people he was peddling cassettes <laughs> some taped versions of albums to. So did you pay that? Is that cassette somewhere in here? or? Uh, well, yeah we, yeah, we did pay it. Yeah, I bet you've bought it since yeah, as well, i bought it you? since. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I do have the 7-inch somewhere. There it is. So that's the epic 7-inch Western Girls. So that's their first record that they released in the UK. Wow. And I guess before the internet, that was the only way to get hold of that to hear these songs, was actually to go out there and, and buy the physical product. Can you remember where you were when you heard... Say Pet Shop Boys the B side for the first time. Oh,
0: do, do you know what? I, I can't, if I'm being honest. I it's... bet you weren't
1: standing in the middle of a second-hand record <laughs> shop in in, in <laughs> Huddersfield, were you? <laughs> I don't
0: think I. Although I have to say, I think I probably would have paid two pound fifty to hear another B side at that point. I mean, it's a bit manic, isn't it? It's got all the scratching. It sounds like oh, the Malcolm right. McLaren, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of produced it. Yeah, and, I do uh, love it. It's it's, yeah. uh, it's a bit crazy. There's, there's like a a seagull appears halfway <laughs> through it for no for no reason <laughs> whatsoever. It's like
1: animal noise. Yeah.
0: It does sound like something that was just kind of done in about ten minutes at the end of a session, doesn't it? It
1: it is quite a curio, isn't it? (laughs) I'd love to, you know, they they don't really refer to this track because I assume it's because they don't have the rights to it. So along with the original recording of Western Girls and One More Chance, these were Bobby O recordings. uh, And it's kind of the only one of those three that they haven't revisited. I'd love to hear them do it live. (laughs) You know, they should reclaim the track. I remember reading that when Neil came back from recording with Bobby O with these fantastic demos, this was the one that he played to his friends. I guess it was off the wall and and a bit different and a bit cool, but I think he was too embarrassed to share a track like West End Girls, where he was front and centre with his vocals. So I think it was Pet Shop Boys, the track, that uh, that he was um, playing his friends as evidence of, of what they'd been up to in New York.
0: Yeah, well, it's a very New York record. It, it, I mean, obviously, the Malcolm McLaren thing there is, is, is very New York. It probably did sound very, very cool in, what, 84-ish, is it something yeah, like that? Yeah, 84, so it's probably something of does just sort of sound straight straight out of there, and it you know you could hear it being played in a club, and it sound really cool, and yeah, it's uh, whereas Western Girls is probably a little bit more kind of sensitive, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit more, like you say, a bit more front and centre. Uh, I mean, you're talking about those Bobby O' records. I remember seeing those. Zyx Records. I think it's probably in Woolworths in Huddersfield. Mm. They were the ones that had the really garish covers, the sort of the the really really bright covers. Okay. And and I remember sort of seeing them and thinking, well, should I buy those? But thinking, well, they don't look genuine. I think it was probably in early days of CDs where lots of things were just getting thrown out on CD at the time these don't look real. It's, it was kind of like the, when you see designer gear on holiday. Well, it's got the name on it, but I'm not entirely sure that it's So I, 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 I think I gave them a bit of a wide berth. I used to go on all those day trips as well, you know, looking for, for Pet Shop Boys records, you know, Piccadilly in Manchester, yeah. and Crash and Jumbo in Leeds. Sure. You know, Dead Wax in Huddersfield. I think it was there, in there, that I saw the, the original opportunities. The one with the photocopied...
1: Oh, the promo s- the, the pro- first
0: version. Yeah, the one that's got the very, very white, but it's got... Well, yeah. It's like a photocopied version of Neil with the dollar sign brooch. I don't have that great. You so don't you, have you, you, that? You know, you have, you've identified well, a gap there. Well, I think it was about £16 at the time. And I, well, I, I, I say I, I think it was £16. I, I'm, I'm almost certain that it was, because it, it was much more than... And it, than I could have thought, but it was clear that it was a, an artifact. Okay. Which was what that premium price was, but it was like oh, I don't, I'm not going to pay for that. I,
1: I do have this, which is the promo of the hit version. All right. Which is quite nice because it's so at the time they between them signed. Quite a few of them. I think the majority of them in like golden, silver signatures. So it's quite nice to have something that's signed so when did back you, in nineteen eighty. So when did you get that then? When did you I got put, that in more recent more years. recent yeah. <laughs> 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 One of those mysterious twelve inch ship <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Sneaking into <Yeah>. the house.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it is those memories, isn't it? That, that those brightly coloured records, You know they they immediately take me back to you know, when we used to walk around Huddersfield, town centre on a Saturday afternoon, we used to test the eject speeds of cassette players on <laughs> hi fi that, that's, that's how I rolled back in well, those uh,
1: Is that the sign of a swish cassette player, swish hi-fi is how fast oh, that would... And, uh, quite the opposite. Oh, okay. Oh, smooth Oh, smooth, slow, slow.
0: smooth yeah. Because <laughs> there were some that you would press and it would come and clang you straight on your thumb. They were a definite no-no. But those that just glided out, oh, they were they were like... I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah we were canned I think, for most <laughs> hi-fi shows. Sure so i can see lots of vinyl what about cds is that i'm guessing that that might be what's in some of these yeah. boxes so that are the hidden around. one two three
1: four five six seven eight these 16 boxes here are, are, are cds basically right i don't know about you but behavior was the first album that i bought on cd and it kind of suited that format you know it's a, i guess it was a bit more of a grown-up album richer instrumentations bit more than a pop album and i would imagine that uh, the cd boom at that time meant that maybe that was the first pet shop boys cd that many people bought But i was i think i was still buying the singles on vinyl at that point seven inch and 12 inch it was only when the when can you forgive her came out which didn't come out initially with a 12 inch you could just buy the cd and i think at that point i made the jump over to cd singles but over the years i've gone back and bought the old ones too and the cassettes so <laughs> you know pr- pretty much uh, i do have all the uk standard releases now across the formats
0: i shared a picture on our twitter account a few months back of my extensive cassette single collection all, all nine of them uh, including a homemade sleeve for suburbia <laughs> that I lost in a petrol station that I used to work at and I'm really proud of this very very small collection yeah. I think well you know this is kind of quite historic and sure it you know, means something th- to a, you it means something to me and then people just start sharing all these photographs yeah. where they've got like nine versions of West End That's girls. That's right. M- Malaysian versions. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah. Oh, it's so, I've never gone from being so proud of something to feeling so, <laughs> from so small at, uh, in, in such a short period of time. You, you mentioned Behaviour. I think that was probably the first album, I think, that I bought on CD. Yeah. Uh, to being Back and Bought All The Others as well. But I, I do think that Behaviour was the first for me. And I think you're right. It was that we went through this evolution into CDs and it was quite a grown-up sound. I know we've yeah. talked about Behaviour at length and, and probably will continue to do elsewhere. But it is just that it is a bit more of a grown-up sound and, and it may be then brought us into that idea that we were going to get more grown-up sounding things in the future and that maybe CD is the format that we were going to embrace. The one thing that's absolutely calling out for me to, to look at is that row there I'm pointing and that must be all your literalists, I yeah. guess and annualist. that's right so I mentioned on a previous podcast that I was obviously always too cool to <laughs> join a fan club that is exciting for me to see what that is and I've got look at this so I've even brought some gloves to uh, to handle them with you don't want my sweaty fingers all over them do you
1: know what I would never have asked you to <laughs> put gloves on I, I feel, feel like... like they need this reverential treatment though <laughs> well I'll tell you well, what, what then, g- now, given got you, them. You, you've Put the, given you're given you putting the gloves on that's the first issue of literally so wow. that's back from july 1989 i'm gonna guess that some of the people that might be listening
0: might be like me and never seen this before so it's an outer brown craft paper with mm. a almost a photocopied black image and the words pet shop boys literally issue one july 1989 on there and then inside is more traditional white magazine paper i guess which i mean it looks very very similar to the the annuals that have been been produced over the last few years
1: yeah i think what's amazing design wise is how much they've managed to stick to one concept if you look at that issue from 1989 it's pretty much identical to the final issue of literally which came out in 2016 and to every edition of, of annually since all the Literallys have got that same brown paper cover the same format the same page layout maybe a very slightly different font i think they've Change that at one point but even when they move to the hard annually you can see on the back of those that it calls out for example annually 2023 is also literally issue 49 yes. so they're very aware that this is a singular concept that they are seeing through and they're using it to document their career all of their releases uh, all of their news all of their collaborations this is a complete history essentially of Pet Shop Boys. It's a story told over 34 years and counting. I guess we've just clocked there that the next annual is the 50th edition of Literally. So here's to many more, basically.
0: Again, we we talked about it before, but this would make a fascinating reprint wouldn't it I, and, and I know they're reprinting catalogue but I think you'd this like is, to this, see these well I just think that this is where the as a piece and mm. as a as a, you know collector's piece this is let's like say it just documents career it documents the songs that they were listening to it documents the people that they're
1: working with so you're looking at issue one yeah. I've got issue two here and they started up at this point a pen pals feature <laughs> 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 and this is where you can see that this is quite dated now so this is December 89, fans would write it just to clarify, I never wrote in no, to, 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 I'm going to scour But you've got, fans would write in to say I'm a 23 year old girl from Finland who likes Pet Shop Boys music reading and travelling, and then there's everyone's home addresses <laughs> on, on there as well, which is absolutely bizarre and I picked this up the other day there's a an address, I don't know if you can see that's there, there. Oh, well that's God, about that. two streets away from where we're sat now
0: Oh, and that this is Andy. We won't read Andy's address out. I mean, Has he got Andy's surname? No, it's Andy with a with an I E. Where... Well,
1: if you're Andy from Halifax <laughs> who wrote in for a, for pen pals in the second issue of Literally, then hello, and let me know you're alive and well and listening to this podcast, and I'll come and knock on your door. Yeah, they
0: were in Number One magazine as their super fan in 1987.
1: Oh, Wow, and living so locally to where I live, I live. you now. could
0: have been you could have been best friends. You could have been playing the saxophone, traveling and going to nightclubs with Andy. That's right. They could have been my podcast buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You wouldn't need to hang around with, with this one. <laughs> but I noticed that they're also in kind of, are they in
1: like a folder as well? Or oh, some of them are in folders. So now the Completer Finisher in me has a oh, mild problem with this because I don't know what issue it is, but let's say it's about halfway through the run. This stopped doing what were these kind of nice black binders that you could use to put I don't, I don't know a handful of issues went in each I guess it's a slightly flawed idea anyway because you can only fit a handful of issues in each one and then you just need it's almost like you need a, another binder to keep all of your binders in <laughs> maybe they start to, after they've got to whatever issues uh, right they, they started to think actually this isn't quite as good an idea but now I've got Half of my collection has binders and then they stop doing them and half of my collection doesn't have binders, so that doesn't quite sit well with me really. No,
0: well, I'm, I, if, if I could justify that there were a lot of you out there, I could go into the business of making... Uh... Do it, <laughs> do it, make me some
1: binders. <laughs> I've also got here, these are my scrapbooks. <laughs> uh,
0: have I used the word nerd at any point today? <laughs> well, listen. So
1: what, When you're 12, you're not a nerd, you're just 12. (laughs) So, But what I would do is, if there was something Pet Shop Boys in one of the music papers that I used to buy, so largely Smash Hits when I started being a fan, I would cut it out and put it in my scrapbooks. And do you know what? I still really like these. Not that I look at them too much. There's a lot of Smash hitsness here when you look at it, just in terms of the fonts wow. and the designs yeah. and the lyrics. But you know, you really get, particularly with the combination of Smash Hits and Pet Shop Boys, that's pure entertainment. So really.
0: what, what era are we talking Smash Hits here?
1: So I've made these scrapbooks between 86 and kind of around the very period. So I started petering out about, let's say, 94. I think around that time I'd gone away to uni, (laughs) had a proper girlfriend, (laughs) probably sticking things in scrapbooks. (laughs) What wasn't the right thing to be doing? You were a Smash Hits reader, weren't you, Graham? I I used to love Smash Hits, yeah. the, The bits that I remember from Pet Shop Boys at that time was Chris would moan about his horrible flat, the one with one brown wall and one orange wall. Neil would cook grim stir fry which was his own recipe which was purely brown rice and broccoli so you know these are early days of Pet Shop Boys before, clearly before they came into any money
0: yeah well I, I, I kind of remember that transition where they went from being sort of, well working there to being a pop star and I, I I think probably most of the time I was still buying Smash Hits. So the magazine just used to make fun of Neil I think whatever even when they were number one they would just make fun of him all the way through it as if like well you're not a proper pop star you kind of used to work here. To- I think. That's probably not backed up by your extensive collection of scrapbook. In there.
1: I've just looked at this one, so this is the second one that I kept, and I don't know what year this was from. I think it's promoting uh, introspective, but the, the headline is What Would You Say to a Dead Cockroach? And this is where typical of the nosy questions that, um, or ridiculous surreal questions that Smash Hits would ask are things like, does your mother play golf? Or what do you have in your fridge? Which actually, other than what would you say to a dead cockroach, which I don't really think would uh, tell you anything about someone, but some of those other questions really do tell you something about someone. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the
0: one that's on the top of the other pile there. I recognise that from Q magazine. I think it was David Hepworth went from Smash Hits to Q. And I think I almost went maybe with a, a year's gap between it. I started buying Q Magazine round about yeah. issue fifteen, something like that. Are you buying Q magazine as well or I is think
1: that... I I would buy Q if it had Petra Boys in it. I bought Smash hits so and then I moved to Enemy or Melody Maker again, depending who was in them. I really liked Select magazine when Select was wow, out. Yeah, so there was yeah. Select and there was Vox, and then when they all went by the wayside, yeah. yes, I did. Q was the one that I you think used was. To get the... a ca- you used to get a
0: cassette with Select. I remember That's there true. being lots of cassettes. Yeah. Like that. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And some of these uh, interviews as well, I remember at, the, at this period. They really did have this reputation of, uh, I think the Sun called them the rudest men in rock, where basically uh, if any journalist rocked up and gave them a glass of champagne each, then within 15 minutes they'd be slagging off the latest pop stars. So I was thinking they don't, when you look back at some of this stuff, they're quite blunt about some of their contemporaries in a way that they unfortunately they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't <laughs> no, be now. No. A bit a slightly more professional now. <laughs>
0: So also on the same shelf as books and things, you've yeah. also got what look like tour programmes. So is that a
1: tour programme from every gig? Every one that I've been to, haven't got the programme for the Discovery Tour. That's another gap in my collection. Sorry, archive. <laughs> <laughs> one I didn't get to, I was going to ask you about this, Graham. So I've got I've got the programme for the 1989 ah, yes, yeah, tour, that's the one. I never got to this tour, so I was on a family holiday to Portugal. I'd love to hear your memories of that tour. You, you went, didn't you? I I did
0: indeed, indeed, yeah. I mean, I remember it being quite big news when they announced it. Yeah. And, I mean, we all sort of slack off Ticketmaster and all these sites now when you're trying to buy tickets. But before that, it was even harder. So you actually had to either turn up in person... That's right. ...to a shop that was selling tickets... Yes, or the venue. Or ...selling physical tickets as well, or, or the venue. Or you had to get on the phone, which that's meant having to dial really, really quickly and then disconnect and dial really quickly again. That's right. So see, they only played Birmingham, Glasgow... Wembley. That's right, in this country. In yeah. this country, yeah, well, I think Japan was so, 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 maybe slightly out of range, which meant they added complication, they had to actually get there That's as well. Right. So that really only left the option of coach travel. So we booked coach, booked a ticket through that, and I can remember travelling down, so I made a playlist to listen to On The Way Down. And as a we got, playlist? A, a play- what, what you mean on, on, is a, 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 a cassette. cassette? A cassette, yeah, they, they, they weren't playlists. A mixtape. Playlist a mixtape, mix of course, mixtape, yeah. <laughs> so I made a mixtape to listen to On The Way Down, and and as we got on, got on the coach, the coach driver says, has anybody got any music they want to listen oh, to? Okay, yeah. So I've got this cassette with some fairly deep cut Pet Shop Boy Carefully songs on there. Carefully curated. Carefully um, curated. Because yeah, remember, I'm kind of quite cool. Yeah, yeah that's right. I'm 19, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. cool back then. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we had 45 minutes of... Cool Pet Shop, shop Boys music. Yeah. So then, what I hadn't really taken into account was the auto reverse function on his cassette. So 45 minutes, it goes <laughs> and it turns over, and I think oh, I don't know what's on the rest of this tape. And it was like I can't go down and turn it over. So what turned out to be on it was Erasure's Crackers International 12-inch, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and of course Deep Cuts Ahoy. Yes. Of course, the Crackers International 2 12-inch okay. was also on there. So it's July. Uh, yeah. We're going to see one of Pet Shop Boy's first concerts yes. in the UK. It's lovely and sunny. We're all in a coach. <laughs> and we're stuck listening to Erasure's version of the Christmas carol, God rest G, Merry Gentleman. Brilliant. Uh, I was just... I mean, I've never been as embarrassed as (laughs) I I was.
1: Essentially, you outed yourself as an Eurasia fan on what what was probably the most northern Pet Shop Boys bus journey ever. (laughs) I'm just still cringing about it. I don't think I've ever told that story to anybody. (laughs) So I still shiver thinking about it. Right.
0: So I went to the Saturday. So I went to the third one. Uh, Okay. 15th of July. At the NEC. At the NEC, yeah. So I went down there. Yeah. So we were sat on the side, seats. Okay. and But halfway down and, and reasonably high up from what I remember. Mm. I remember thinking I am a long way away from it. Again, just to reiterate, you yeah. know, story aside, I am quite cool in 1989. <laughs> this gig is sandwiched between R.E.M. at Manchester Apollo okay. and the, the, with Johnny Marr at Bradford St. John's Hall. So right. I'm going to see cool bands yeah, at this stage. Yeah, certainly. You know, you know, you used to fight your way to the front and yes. see the whites of, of bands' eyes. So I'm thinking I'm a long way away from here. Yeah. I have to say, it's very hard to remember much about a concert that isn't on that highlight video. You yeah. start to kind of have those memories of it. I remember the Balanescu Quartet oh, okay. supporting. The support yeah. So they supported and did much longer than. They did about 45 minutes right, from right. what I remember. It was a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't remember the band coming on mm. I don't remember whether a curtain dropped or anything like that, Cause that oh, I don't think that opening is on the highlights because no. they came on to one more chance That's right. so I've never really seen them come on to that there was a lot of Courtney Pine yes a lot of percussion it had an interval yeah possibly <laughs> I don't re- an <laughs> interval of sorts this is when uh, the sound of the atom splitting yeah played, I, I don't remember whether they went off for any sustained period of time or whether they just had a costume change or yeah. I don't really remember that I don't think it was
1: the kind of interval where you went to get drinks and, and an ice cream and, and an things like that cream. was it not that I don't remember
0: like I say I don't really remember that, that yeah. bit but Sound of the Atom Splitting was amazing Okay. that in the NEC it was set up on the quadraphonic okay. speaker so it was booming and it was just flying around the venue yeah. it was over your Right shoulder, it was over your left shoulder, it was somewhere over in the distance, and the lights were all down as well, so it was really quite acid housey at that point. Yes. So that was really, really good. Chris's Paninaro, brilliant. Yeah. Which I'm sure you've seen when they did Kings Cross. I think they showed a lot of the Rent video behind that it, or the, the shots from the Rent video. Yeah. And when Chris appears on the screen, the place just went mental. <laughs> I don't really remember about a lot about Neil being yeah, there. Right, if right. I'm being totally honest. My suspicion is that he was desperately trying to hold it all together and had all the hard work to do. I I do remember, uh, because they finished with It's All Right, didn't they? And that was almost, we've got through a show, everybody. It hasn't collapsed. Everything's (laughs) all right. And that was really, really joyous. It had a very, very kind of joyous ending to it. But yeah, it was great.
1: Cool. Oh it sounds great. It sounds yeah. fantastic. Cool. I do wish I'd seen it. It was a little
0: bit soured at the end, because I bought a Chris t-shirt, the one with had the day something about. my friend Charles who we'd gone down with, he bought the Roman numerals one. Yes. Which, in hindsight, was the correct one to buy. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll finally admit that now after about 40 years. But my Chris one, I dropped through the seating because, like I said, we were quite Ooh, high up and yeah. it dropped. But we could see it. Uh, yes. So we were kind of all looking around. And all. So obviously, everybody that was on the coat, we were all sat in the same places. We were all in mean, an hour and how an hour we were going to get it. At the end of the gig, we went down to get it and it had gone. So it was like, oh, where is it? Yeah. Obviously merch standard had shut by then. Got on the coach and somebody came up to us and said, The guy over there got your t-shirt. He went down, I saw him pick it up, I saw him get it, and he's there. So in this unconfrontational way, I'm yeah. sure. Excuse like, me. Excuse
1: me, mister. He said, Are you the Eurasian? He <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm already trying to I'm regretting telling that story anyway there was a bit of a confrontation he was sort of like no I bought it I bought it yeah, yeah. So there were loads of people then that he didn't. You've caused a scene. I've caused a scene. Anyway, we stopped halfway off at one of the services. He got out, got on another coach, came home on another coach, but he left the T-shirt. So I got this T-shirt back. Oh, did you? Yeah.
1: Do you think he was admitting his theft, by leaving? I'd like to think so. (laughs) Maybe felt really intimidated that 51 people were going (laughs) to duff him over when he got
0: off. So I take that as a sign of guilt. And do you still have the T-shirt? No, no, no. Again, wore things out. Probably went through that evolution of wear it gets a bit worn out that's right decorating it bonfire but night bonfire night yeah <laughs> oh well thank you for sharing day, that for my first gig I, experience yes well i feel that at least a, <laughs> a
1: small part of me feels like they've experienced it, it now <laughs> in terms of concerts do you keep your tickets graham
0: Yes. One of my lockdown projects is I scanned and made a big collage of all my tickets. So oh, all my tickets you. are on my wall. Oh, really? Moment, yeah. So
1: just Pet Shop Boys or no, all, all gigs, all including gigs, Pet Shop Boys?
0: Uh, including Pet Shop Boys. And of those gigs, I know I might have accused you of being a bit nerdish earlier. For the uh, For the concerts where I don't have tickets or I didn't have tickets you where made you, your own I you made my own right down to the date an estimation of where I think I might have sat yeah too nerdish isn't it so what have you got there that, that's so, a big pile of tickets well, this
1: is, so this is my envelope of tickets and actually it's within the envelope there's another envelope which is <laughs> the envelope that my performance ticket was delivered in <sighs> Winter Gardens, Blackpool. I've got my compliment slip from Winter Gardens, Blackpool. Oh. There's also the receipt here. So, how much do you think the ticket was to see the performance tour back in 1991?
0: Well, I guess the last one was about eighty pounds. Eighty I pounds. Think, I think to remember for, for Leeds. For, for so, Leeds. I mean, so, eighty pounds. Oh, I am guessing. 20 quid, something like that? Well, yeah, £16.50.
1: £16. £16. £16. Well, £16.50,
2: crikey, that uh, seems value, doesn't uh,
1: it? Uh, well, it does. Yes, it was probably a lot at the time, but that does look like remarkably good value right now.
0: So, I can see on the top of that pile there is one for Southbank Centre. When did they play South Centre? Yes,
1: yeah, so this is a bit different. I'll tell you about this. This is 17th of February 2009, so actually the night before the Brits performance where Pet Shop Boys got the Outstanding Contribution Award. And this was a music and chance night at the Queen Elizabeth uh, Hall yeah. on the South Bank. And what it was was a BBC concert orchestra event. And as part of it, 12 composers, including Pet Shop Boys, are being asked to write one minute of music to be played by the orchestra. And then the pieces were stitched together in an order which was determined by the roll of the dice on the night so I went along to hear Pet Shop one minute masterwork (laughs) which which they called Particle what do I remember about the piece it was tuneful big swelling strings I remember woodwind flute oboe a little bit like some of the Liza tracks maybe on results with an orchestra
0: I think I've I've heard the radio recording I seem to remember it sounding a little bit like
1: the start of the performance
0: tour that that, crazy bit with the the book and the globe (laughs) and the thing
1: so music aside, probably the best bit, certainly the bit I've got the the strongest memory of, is I spotted Neil in the bar beforehand, so I thought you don't get many chances like this. I went over to see if he would sign my ticket. Now, anything like this, I'm pretty tongue-tied, so I'll have decided to keep it pretty brief, try and get in and out with my dignity relatively intact, and with with my signature souvenir, so I went over, asked politely, of course Neil was happy to sign, and obliged, gave me his scribble, and then he asked me do you want him to sign it too? At which point, it's only then that I realised I was standing right next to Chris, Uh, so it's definitely true, it's really hard to pick Chris out when he's off duty, even when he's practically standing right next to Neil, Uh, so Chris laughed, Uh, he said Said the very Chris line I don't mind I'm I'm not here in an official capacity <laughs> uh, so at that point I, I kind of wish them good luck for the Brits the following night so the fact that I was trying to get in and out uh, without any kind of conversation had th- started to fail me wish them look, good luck for the Brits asked if they were looking forward are you looking forward to it? Neil said yeah Chris of course said a very firm no but then no it, it'll be good oh you see that level of insight in and <laughs> in depth knowledge <laughs> <laughs> that people are here
0: for that's, that's exactly that's exactly yeah, you what might, you one.
1: yeah uh, anyway made my exit at that point you, you made your excuses and left yeah <laughs> so after the concert had half an eye out and saw them leave walking together over Waterloo Bridge off duty obviously still shades of the West End Girls video with one of them walking uh, Chris walking slightly <laughs> behind Neil but I was thinking about it as you do Waterloo Bridge I'm going to make a case now for this being the most Pet Shop Boys ever. Of all the bridges, (laughs) because it does crop up, it does crop up a few times in Pet Shop Boys folklore. So bear with me. First of all, so don't forget, I saw them on this bridge, Graham. Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Bridge. You keep talking about bridges. (laughs) (laughs) They were immortalized. They immortalized this bridge in the lyrics to "Hoping for a Miracle." Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. On Waterloo Bridge, you got lost in the fog. Yeah. And talking of Made My Excuses and Left, Waterloo Bridge is the bridge that Chris was walking over when he recorded his vocal intro to I Made My Excuses and Left into his phone so that I'm all alone again, I'm all alone. Is that the vocoder bit, that
0: wah wah wah
1: wah? That's wah, right. Wah, 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 that um, bit. So, so that's Chris kind of sing talking into his iPhone as he walks right. over the okay. bridge one night. Not the same night, not the not the me night. <laughs> this is the night that he's in a fog. <laughs> the, no. They're the, no. the, 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 no. the hoping to get lost from you and sort of fog. Yeah, no. no, no, no. No. So and that's recordings used on the on the album version. Mm-hmm. Now, is it even the bridge? Is Waterloo Bridge, my bridge, the bridge that I saw them on that night? Is that the bridge that's referenced at the beginning of The Survivors? Cross a windy bridge, one winter night, past Embankment Gardens, enter warmth and light. Geographically... it must be fairly... Close. It's that bridge! <laughs> oh, this is right, OK. It is that bridge. If you're going to... It's windy, and it goes past Embankment Gardens. Right. So that's... Well, three, I, mean, I mean, in fairness, nobody's three, doubting your bridge knowledge you. at this point. That's three hits for Waterloo Bridge. And right. finally, here's a fourth. Right. I think I'm sure someone could put me right uh, if it if it's not right. I think <laughs> They're not going to do it. Nobody's, nobody's <laughs> okay, I think it's the bridge, my bridge, Waterloo Bridge, is the bridge from which Wolfgang Tillmans took the photograph, which is on the cover of Disco Three. So not the bridges that you can see on the cover, but I think. He must have been standing on Waterloo Bridge to take the photo that's on there. So, four reasons why Waterloo Bridge in London that I was on, where I saw Pet Shop Boys off duty walking home. That's the most Pet Shop Boys bridge in the world. Can you think of a more Pet Shop Boys <laughs> bridge? <laughs> I can't even think of any bridges! <laughs> uh, <coughs> I,
0: I, 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 I need to go and have a lie down. think. <laughs> Right, enough about Bridges. I've got a quiz for you. I know you like
1: quizzes. Okay, a quiz. Is it how well do I know my own record collection? Well,
0: yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm calling it The Price is Right. Okay. Or should I say The Stewart Price is Right. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes. Or even Discog's Griffet. Nice. I, I will tell you i spend more time on the name <laughs> than I have on the actual quiz. I've been through Discogs. You know, you're not a collector. You're an archivist, so you're not Correct. looking to sell these things. But they do have a value and they do have second-hand values or third-hand values. I've been through Discogs, got some values of things that we both own or oh. some of the things that you just done. I thought I'd test your antiques, roadshow knowledge on how much some of these things might you be see, worth. see, I
1: don't think I'd be very good at this. Well, it's we're... not the kind of thing that I uh, check up on, really. Well, your wife will be doing when she's so. <laughs> oh, okay all right sounds <laughs> yeah. positive yeah
0: when she's when she realizes what's what value there is in here that there's a perhaps a small family holiday in here <laughs> first question one if you were to buy discography on vinyl oh yes and alternative on vinyl yes how much would that cost and i base this on the average price on Discogs. So I've got three options for you.
1: Oh, okay, that's so, good.
0: So, so, would it cost you 140 pounds? Mm. Would it cost you 205 pounds, mm. or would it cost you 280 pounds?
1: Well, I was going. My guess was going to be about 250 pounds. So let me think. Hmm. It's between 205 and 280. I'm going to go 205. No, and I should have
0: mentioned that we've got. <laughs> The bell's back, but you don't get a bell for that, my friend. It's
1: £280. How is it? I nearly yeah. said 280
0: So discographer, 60. Right. Alternative two hundred and twenty pounds. Oh, really? I will mention that I have a very, very near mint copy oh. of that. How have I... you
1: kept that near mint <laughs> then?
0: Well, because I've just never played ah, it. okay. Oh, well, because well, we I go. was yeah. It's actually still in the the bag that I got from HMV. It's still got the Is HMV it? sticker on it for yeah. for added validity. Yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that I'm selling this. You <laughs> no, know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Question two. We've already talked about the Relentless promo. Oh yes. So arguably the Holy Grail okay. for collectors. Okay. What is the top price stated on Discogs for that? Is it in the 100 to 200, 200 to 300, 300 to 400, 400 to 500, or 500 pounds
1: or more? I think I might go for the latter. Hmm. Yeah, let's say 500. Let's say over 500.
0: Oh, still no bell. Oh, oh, come man. on, what is that, £420. Okay, that's the top price. That's the top price, yeah. Mm. That's all right, isn't it? Pretty penny, yes. I can see all three of those so far we've mentioned, so uh, we're currently a weekend away. So we talked about cassettes. Yes. If you were to buy me a replacement of the Suburbia cassette single. Oh, okay. And you were also to buy the cassette box of Smash. Oh, yes. Which has only been out for a few months. Yes. How much would that cost? So add the two together and I will give you that to £20 either Either way way on that
1: well do you know what i don't think the suburbia cassette single is worth a huge amount so i'm going to say i think that that's around let's say a fiver i know that the smash cassettes sold out quickly and they were a limited run i think that's probably quite a bit so let's say i'm going to go for 175 altogether no
0: a lot less than that No, is it yeah 104 pounds so you were bang on i'm going to in fact i'm going to give you a Yes. £5 for the cassette single. Okay. And Smash is at £100 at the moment. Oh, all right. So, uh, oh, 100, a, a so 105 a altogether. Answer. Okay. The CD that gave the podcast its name, uh, In Depth. Yes, well, I have it here. Yeah, very nice. So, the Japanese promo version with Obi. I don't think I have that. I might do somewhere. Like... No. Obi's the little sash yeah, yeah. that wraps around the spine. The phone card, the gift f- envelope as well. Yes. you got the lyric sheet in there.
1: That's the phone card. Do you have the yeah, phone I card? Yeah, I've got the phone card,
0: yeah. Lyric Sheep. Yeah, Lyric Sheep. So there's only one at the moment for sale on Discogs. Right. With those criteria. So is it £45, £65, yeah, or £85? Hmm,
1: 65 right. Yay! Yeah, about time. Which
0: I think is about what I paid back in... 1989 is that when it came out so you
1: you paid 65 pounds at the time it came out I think I did yeah I paid a lot of money for it oh actually. okay was it not on importing HMV I can't remember what I... I I can remember it was a
0: lot of money okay, okay. I'm sure it was.
1: Have you noticed, just as an aside, in comments that we get quite a bit, and I've seen this in some of the reviews that people have said about the podcast, is I love the podcast, but it's not got a very Pet Shop Boys title because it's two words. Oh, yes, yes. I I want to tell those people (laughs) there is a Pet Shop Boys CD called In Depth.
0: Yes, with two words, It's It's deliberately two words, yes, yeah. Yeah. So. People are obviously not aware of the three-hour de- three-hour meeting that we had to decide about <laughs> what we were going to call it. They're not in-depth enough about in-depth. No, depth. no. Well, they they are now. Two left. So the two most expensive items in the PSB Canon, the Yes box set right. and the Electric box set. I mm. mean, I'm guessing there's probably more expensive things. I don't but, have either of those, Graham. No, well, me neither. How much do you think it would cost to buy both of those now? And I'm going to give you that to the nearest... Five hundred. Well,
1: a lot of money, and I do wish that I'd invested in these at the time for my archive. For your archive, two, yeah, two, s- two and a half thousand pounds. Two and a half. That is
0: pretty good. Yeah, just a little bit over that. Two thousand six hundred. So, oh. so you get the bell. Do I win those? Um... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah they are, yeah. So the yes box set is eleven hundred, and the electric box set is fifteen hundred six. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of money into. It. So finally, and I don't wanna put you under any pressure with this question, but yeah. I tested this quiz with my wife this morning, and she got this absolutely bang on. Oh, okay. So no pressure at all. If you were to buy all 11 further listening albums, oh, yeah. and then CDs of Electric, Super, and Hotspot.
1: Oh God, okay.
0: How much would you have to spend?
1: Oh, well, some of those further listenings I think are um, a little bit rare now, aren't they? Well, I, th- I think they are, but obviously they re-released everything, didn't they? I th- I just think those multi-discs of release and maybe yes, and those... Are, those are like, certainly hard more hard expensive hard than,
0: the, than the first batch,
1: yeah. Do you know what? I, if I could do my maths fast enough... Do you know what? I'm just going to go for. That's 14 albums, is it? Do you know what? I'm going to go £120. Oh, no.
0: You're going to have to spend more than that, my friend. Oh, OK. £200. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to give you a bonus point if you can name which one of those is the most expensive. Release. Release? Is it? Yeah. Yes. £40 for release. OK. 20% of that is release. So there you go. You didn't get as many of those correct as I want, so I'm going to have to press the bell again. <laughs> Just because Whoa. I enjoy pressing
1: that Hopefully that does feel that. My <laughs> archiving isn't financially motivated. Yeah,
0: I'll be honest none of it is worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
1: and take it off your hands for what?
0: 100 quid? Something like that. <laughs> it's, right. worth it's, it's worth <laughs> it's nothing. It's worth nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Graham I do remember that at the beginning of the podcast you said you were going to bring something in to show me that I wouldn't have in my collection
0: ah indeed so in 1989 90 I formed a band with a few work colleagues okay. with the intention of playing at the office Christmas party covers yeah, and things. anyway a couple of us decided to take that a little bit further and I wrote some songs Mark I've fellow work colleague he was the musical talented one he had this expensive yamaha piano keyboard thing yeah yeah yeah. we wrote some songs so we wrote some songs and we recorded them we made a little demo tape Mm. so i sent it speculatively to this newly formed pop record label spaghetti Uh, that just happened to be owned and run by pet shop boys so from that i got a rejection
1: letter (laughs) Okay, is this what you've brought to so show So this me? is
0: what I've brought to show you. So I have got an official rejection letter. From Neil and Chris. Well, maybe not quite. But it is on official Spaghetti Records letterhead. I can show you that there. So their, their spaghetti logo... Which is at the top, which is a really, really thin line. So it's the word spaghetti, sort of spelt on the end. Yes. But in a really, really, really condensed font, super thin. A very executive paper stock.
1: Yeah, you're going, you're going into the detail, Graham, but the, <laughs> that's to disguise the fact that this is essentially a letter that says no, thank you very much. <laughs> I know. But well, let me, I'll
0: give you the full, the full rejection yeah. in all its glory. 28th of January. Uh, it's got my address on it. We'll gloss over that. It starts with the date, so 28th of January. There is no year on it. I assume it's somewhere around. What, 92? 92, yeah, I think so. Dear Graham, thank you for sending in your material, which I enclose herewith. Unfortunately, at the moment, Spaghetti Records, oh sorry, Spaghetti Recordings, are not looking for any new artists. But thank you for taking the time to send something in. Best of luck for the future. Yours sincerely. Christine Southard. But she hasn't signed it. It's been PP'd by Annie.
1: Well actually that's not that's not a rejection really, is it? That's we're not looking for anything. <sighs> See, so if you, yeah. if you were to send it back now <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Just wanna check. Are you, are you are you ready for it yet? I mean
0: maybe they that's maybe they thought it was too out there ahead of its time. Them. Yeah. So I've actually brought you the cassette as well. Oh, we're we going so, to play a bit. No we're not. No, but it's got a sleeve. Do you want to describe the. Because it's got a proper sleeve and everything. Is that you? That, that's, is that the back yeah, of your that's head? The back of So my it's head, the back yeah.
1: of it that is very behaviour, isn't it? It's, it's very behaviour, yeah. Would, back of yeah. a head. Yeah. Somebody's scratching the
0: head. That's actually in our old bathroom.
1: Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, i like. It's very quite, minimal I, isn't I it? quite like the design. Yeah. I like cassettes. We've already covered that. Yeah. I can't deduce the band. Is the band called. Cotco.
0: No, the band's called GTG. We had a sort of slightly unfortunate name, which I, I don't think, which was a little bit risque, which uh, we sort of dropped because it was a little bit controversial. Uh, okay. So we we became just GTG. GTG, for, with, yeah. And obviously, what would you call your demo cassette? Demo. Just demo. Demo. That's demo. quite catch I mean, up voice. Very catch up voice, yeah. But despite all that, they weren't too too ahead of its time, but, clearly, But, like but
1: so. You know, you've you've been thinking that you've had a rejection list for all of these years, but actually what it is is not right now, thank you very much. Absolutely. They probably they might have loved it. Maybe,
0: yeah. I mean it's funny that you say that, because if I could if I ever could overcome my embarrassment of it, let's like, say I have not played this for 30 years, 31 years, I've not played this cassette, because okay. I, I would just die of embarrassment <laughs> if I heard it. Well,
1: unfortunately, as I've declared, I don't have anything to play. No, anymore. well, that
0: is fortunate. But if I did play it, what you would realise is that one of the songs, Love, open brackets, 1999, oh, close brackets, okay. <laughs> is very, very similar to I'm With Stupid. You know, obviously, I can't say that you know anybody borrowed any kind of melodies or anything like that. But I could never face it being played
1: in a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> so so. That, that's the reason you haven't pressed charges. <laughs> but, yeah, you
0: know, all those multi-million-pound royalties that are just sitting there waiting for—they will be permanently out of reach because I'm not going to play this in a court of law and say that it—that it sounds like it. Well, I'm very impressed. <laughs> could you have been the new Cicero? <laughs> <laughs> there is a distinct lack of
1: bagpipes on it. I will say that. Maybe that's what held us back. No. <laughs> Well, if you had have been signed to Spaghetti, then I'd have had to buy it, wouldn't I? <laughs> well, no. yeah. you, you could have joined the Spaghetti roster that included, uh, obviously, Cicero, but Masterboy, Boy George, Ignorance. The rap group Trevor and Mark, the dancers from the performance tour, even the AB Fab single—they all things
0: that you've got and own. Have you got a little section somewhere on there? For I think it's over, it? is over is there, it towards, towards that side.
1: Over <laughs> there in collaborations. Collaborations, of course.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if anything happened and you had a fire, oh my god! I know. This <laughs> has gone a little left turn, isn't it? Yeah. What items are you saving?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I've done. This was the garage. All the water pipes are just behind that wall. That's why my vinyl's on the top shelves. Right. Anything that could afford to lose, I've put below the water line. Excellent. But I hadn't thought about fire. You've got me worried you now. <laughs> <laughs> what would I save in a fire? Do you know what? Never mind what's worth what, I would grab those two CD boxes there and I would take my further listening CDs. I guess we have told me what they're worth, but that is a bundle of all of their music. Music essentially, isn't it, with those brilliant booklets as well. So I would grab those quickly as I made my way out the door, making sure my wife and children were safe as well, obviously. Uh, but uh, I'd have uh, uh, those two boxes, I think. And you know what? If I had a spare hand, I'd scoop under my arm the literally is list because I think the, the document of all of their music and the complete history of Pet Shop Boys as well, I'd have one under each arm, that'd be what I would do.
0: I think if I ever had a job in the fire service and your house was on fire, I think that you know never mind you get, I think those are probably the things I'd be saving as you, you, well you'd so. rush in and grab those
1: too <laughs> yeah I'd just be straight in for the literal is <laughs> a thing really that, uh, that's what I would be coming in for you're thinking about it I can catalogue my life really in terms of Pet Shop Boys albums and singles and tours I don't just mean in terms of the songs it's also the stories behind behind the shopping I guess so it's the bus trips to strange towns with friends to uncover new record shops tracking down those early 7 inches and the German imports with the terrible sleeves the early mornings to make sure that you know, I'm front of the queue when it's record store day it's nagging the record store owner to take down the Go West mobile or give me 3 out of 4 of the Go West Badges. I remember coming back from holiday and hoping that the new issue of Literally has dropped through the door. Walking up to the post office on a Wednesday morning to buy the new Enemy to cut out the interviews and stick them in my scrapbook. This is why I like to have this stuff close to hand because it means a lot to me. I'm sure, I'm sure you're the same. I can measure my life by these records. Yeah
0: maybe a slight few years gap, but you can track being at school. You can track going on holiday. You can track messing around with your mates for the first time, getting to sort of 18, 19, going to pubs, going out, going to clubs, sick for work, jobs, at the, you can track everything.
1: Please and naturally, I'm starting secondary school. I'm going abroad for the first time. Introspective, I'm a teenager at the local youth club. Behaviour. I can remember it vividly. I'm at the sixth form, taking exams. Then very, I'm moved on to university. Bilingual, I'm finishing up, spreading my wings. Nightlife, I'm in my first job. Release, I'm in my first house. Fundamental, second house, yes, it's babies. Elysium is toddlers, <laughs> the electric super hotspot suddenly. They're teenagers as well and finding their own identities and soundtracks. So that's pretty much my whole life in just 14 albums. Maybe what we're looking at isn't actually a collection or an archive. It's a kind of map. It's a map in case I, if I lose my way or I forget who I really am in this rush of life pulling me forward, It's a, this is a map to help me find my way back. It isn't a time capsule. It's not dead and buried. We're sat here in a time machine. Yeah,
0: that's no, interesting. I mean, music evokes emotions, doesn't it, and memories. And you kind of hear about musical interventions and therapeutic benefits, particularly with people with dementia and Alzheimer's and so on and my wife's driven mad by the fact that I can hear a song on the radio or when a song comes on the TV and I'll instantly take her and me back to where I first heard it you know it's like oh yeah it reminds me of being at school when I was 14 I can remember it's very autumnal or I was in a classroom or something she doesn't really have that she doesn't get the fact that music takes us to certain places. So I guess we in that respect we're we're probably quite lucky in, in that area that we can do that. Have that ability to be transposed to all these different places. I'm pretty much exactly the same as you in terms of those but but probably an album earlier. You know, it's 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 kinda of quite mad to think that I started buying my first Pet Shop Boys product when I was 15. And by the time the next album comes out, I'll have a daughter at university. But oh, I still don't think. Forgive me for taking her to Electric <laughs> at her first concert. And by the time the, the one after that comes... I might not have any daughters at university. They might have all gone. I might have sure. got to this sort of empty nesting stage. It's yeah. quite bizarre to think that I have this house and there'll just all be all these empty rooms and there'll just be the two of us in
1: there. Uh, but <laughs> I do have an idea of what you could put in those empty rooms, <laughs> oh, Graham. <laughs> do I start off
0: with just an Ikea shelf? That's right. And then just sort of go, well I
1: wonder there. what's
0: out <laughs> there. What's all of this? Maybe that's my post-children project is to amass a collection like you've got in, uh, in here pet shop boys in depth is an independent podcast written and produced by sykes Penn for f19 media with music
1: by paul jackson each episode we're calling out and thanking some of our supporters who've helped us to cover recording and hosting costs so huge thanks to richard farrell neil scullion Jacqueline Marsland and Edwin Green. Follow us on Twitter at In-Depth PSB Pod or follow our Facebook page for extra content and to be the first to hear about new episodes.
0: You can help keep these podcasts ad-free by buying one of our exclusive In-Depth Podcast t-shirts. You'll find all the links in the podcast information or on our socials.
1: And if you haven't already, please hit follow or subscribe and we'd love it if you wrote us a review.